I'm Jill Baker and I'm speaking to Philippa Doyle, a partner in our health and social care advisory team. Today, Philippa is going to give some feedback on CQC inspections since they were reinstated in the summer. Hello, Philippa. Hello, Jill. Thank you for asking me to speak today. Oh, no, I'm looking forward to it. To kick off, um, who, who have the CQC been prioritising for inspections since they were reinstated? Um, so CQC obviously paused their inspections right at the beginning of the pandemic in March um, and have really been um, focusing on keeping up to date with providers via telephone consultations. Um, but they have still been looking very closely and been monitoring very closely those services that are perhaps not performing as well as one would like. Um, so when they restarted doing their face-to-face at the beginning of the summer, those are the services that they've concentrated on first. So where complaints have come in, either from families or concerns have been put forward from uh, local authorities. Those are the services that CQC have said, right, well, we need to go in and, and look at those services in person and establish whether the, the complaints and the concerns are founded, whether there's any substance there. Um, and whether this is a service about which we have cause for concern. Well, that's interesting just to have an idea about, you know, which part of the service they're actually sort of focusing on. Um, perhaps just sort of taking that a little bit further, are there any actual specific areas the CQC are focusing on? Yeah, so they're not going in and doing um, full all singing, all dancing inspections anymore. They're not looking at the, the full five Chloe's, the key lines of inquiry that you would normally expect CQC to look at in a full inspection. They're really honing in on specific areas. So they're doing what, what are called more focused inspections. Um, and the two areas that certainly I've seen in the reports that I've, I've seen in the last few is that they're looking at the the well-led um, Chloe and also the safe Chloe those two quite often go hand in hand um, and sometimes whilst they're in the service if while they're reviewing those they are particularly concerned then then the net can be widened um, and they start looking at the um, responsive section as well um, because they quite often if there's an issue in one then there'll be an issue in another area that's interesting just to sort of hear hear a little bit about the fact that it's full service and there's just sort of certain areas that, that they are looking at. Um, it just appears to me from what you've just said that if you like the sort of caring aspect of the services is, isn't being as heavily focused on as, as perhaps we would have expected previously to COVID. Am, am I right about that? Yes, I haven't seen any reports where they've specifically focused on caring and I think that's because of the nature of the services. Um, that even in the most poorly performing of services, the people who are delivering the care and are supporting people that need those services normally come from a caring background. People go into care um, because they care. Um, and so normally, even in a, a service that might be failing everywhere else, the caring element of it will still shine through because most most people do care. They do have a heart. Um, they do want to do the best for the people that they're supporting. Um, and it may well be that they fall down on the paperwork or they're not meeting the follow meeting and following the rules and regulations properly. Um, or the you know the the manager doesn't you know cares. Um, but just isn't quite up to scratch in terms of, you know, being able to satisfy that the care plans are correct and the risk assessments have all been done. Um, so I, I haven't 
seen, as I say, any any reports thus far, although I'll, I'll happily be proved wrong, that have really looked at that caring side because the biggest concerns are around safe. You know, are, are the risk assessments in place? Are they are the service clear on what the needs of the individuals are who they support and how best to meet those needs? And is, is the service well led? Does the registered manager, does the owner, does the provider know what their statutory responsibilities are and their obligations are and are, are they fulfilling those? I think that's really, really helpful. I mean, I think you've sort of clarified there, you know, for the audience today that, um, you know, which are the services that are being focused on and what are the issues that they're looking at? But to perhaps just take that clarification a little bit further. Um, I mean, what do you see as being the biggest difference with inspections, if you like, sort of pre-COVID and now and sort of linked to that particular question? I mean, how are they actually tackling COVID related issues? So the big difference pre and is that pre would obviously have been a, a full across the board inspection um, and now that they're only looking at very specific areas what we're seeing is perhaps more of a deep dive into those specific areas um, than would perhaps have been the case um, so more scrutiny in, in that safe domain um, looking and, and unpicking um, more issues or concerns that might have been put forward and again in relation to well-led um, and, and focusing together with SAFE um, looking at how the service has responded to COVID. So what the CQC are doing is what they call a thematic review so every service that they go into regardless of the issues that might have originally prompted that, that inspection they are also looking at infection control procedures. Um, and in fact, only yesterday, um, the 14th of October, CQC put out a list of eight key questions um, that their inspectors are looking for answers for, um, specifically in relation to infection control and COVID. Um, so I'll just run through those questions now so that listeners can hear them. So the first question is, are, are all types of visitors prevented from catching and spreading infections. Um, so just by way of example, uh, I was looking at a report only yesterday from a care home where um, they'd include did um, sanitization points um, throughout the service. So the, the squirty things on the on the walls um, and the inspector must have been round and tried every single sanitizer to see if it worked. And she found that two of them were empty. And so that went in the report that two of them were empty and that was criticised um, because that that does mean that staff and visitors, um, you know, are are prevented from from using that sanitisation station and, and making sure that their hands are, are clean before they, they move on further in the building. And um, so it would really be worthwhile just as a, a really quick and easy win if the provider nominated somebody to be a, a a sanitization station champion, if you like, um, that every hour or every half hour, they just go around and just do a quick check and make sure that, you know, everything is topped up and it's not about to run out. Um, because that really is just something really simple that it, it's not enough to just, you know, have the sanitizer there. You've obviously got to make sure that it's it's available for people to use and that people are using it that there's a sign there that says, you know, stop, please sanitise before you go any further and, you know, and make sure that your hands are clean. Um, so the next question is, are, are shielding and social distancing rules being complied with? Um, and so that's specifically around, obviously, people coming into the service. But even those 
those new if if they're taking new residents in for example um that what steps are being taken in relation to those new residents are they being you know quarantined in a in a different area for two weeks before they're then able to use communal lounges and mix with other residents in a care home it's just things like that about what policies and procedures and arrangements are in place and that then links into the next question are people being admitted into the service safely you know are they being tested before they come in um, and what are the arrangements around supporting a, a new admission into the service and again you know what how how and when they can mix with other other people within the service the next question is around whether the service is using PPE effectively uh, to safeguard staff and also um, those that they support, so the people using the services. So again, that's a quick win about making sure that you've got the gloves and the aprons and the masks and the visors um, and that everybody is using them appropriately and that you've got a policy and procedure within the service that everybody knows about and that they're, that they're adhering to it. Um, is there adequate access for testing for staff and for those using the service? I'm, I'm, I won't say much about that because it's obviously a fairly controversial issue around access uh, to testing. Um, but it's again, it's that there's a policy and procedure in place within the service that everybody knows about it um, and that they're, they're following it. The next question looks at the layout of the premises, you know, how the service is using the space um, and what the hygiene practices are and whether they're promoting safety. So there's there's very much themes that all link back together in terms of the earlier the quest, earlier questions that I've uh, I've set out. Question seven looks at staff training um, and do practices um, and deployment of staff show that the service can prevent and or manage um, if there is an, unfortunately an outbreak of COVID within the service. So again, it's looking at policies and procedures, it's looking at staff training um, and making sure that if the inspector came in and, and you know, and, and had a chat with a, an individual member of staff that they would be able to respond to that and say that they know what the policies and procedures are, or at the very least that they have an awareness of them and that they know where to go to get that further information or, or to speak to the registered manager. And then finally, I've talked a lot about policies and procedures, and that's the very last question. Is the infection prevention and control policy up to date and is it being implemented effectively? Um, and we know that CQC like policies and procedures. We know that they also like a good audit as well. So as well as having the policies and procedures in place, I always say to everybody, you know, make sure that you're auditing um, and make sure if your audit picks up any issues that you've got a clear, measurable action plan in place as to how you're addressing those issues. Because obviously COVID is an absolute priority and infection control is an absolute priority, um, but not to the detriment of everything else. Unfortunately, it's just something else. Um, that providers, registered managers and all their staff teams need to make sure that they're absolutely up to date on um, and that they're on top of. Thanks, Philippa. So, yes, you've certainly stressed there the, the importance of policies and procedures. Um, and obviously, we've always known that the CQC it, is very important during the inspections that, that you know, there is compliance and, and paperwork, you know, that sort of side of things. But I, I still think from what you've been saying that to sort of summarise um, the impact you've had on me with what you've been saying it is very much that the CQC are focusing more on outcomes and the impact of services actually on their clients, um, you know, sort of during these difficult times linked to COVID. I mean, would you agree with that? 
Absolutely. I mean, ultimately, the people who are supported in social care services are at the heart of everything that everybody does. And they have been really impacted by COVID. You know, restrictions on abilities to see family members in particular has been really, really detrimental to an awful lot of people who were supported in care, um, particularly those in learning disability services um, and uh, those who uh, are living with dementia um, and simply don't understand about what COVID is and why they can't see their family members or that it might be more distressing for them to try and have a garden visit um, or a window visit. Um, and so those visits have just had to stop completely. So while CQC are focusing on compliance and the paperwork and making sure that that's all in order, they are looking as well at how creative providers have been in relation to supporting those people who they're, they're caring for um, and how particularly for those groups that haven't been able to you know, access a, a FaceTime video or a Zoom call with a family member, what additional support and, and caring arrangements they've put in place for those very vulnerable people. Thanks, Philippa. I think that's given, um, given our listeners a really sort of comprehensive feedback and sort of idea of exactly what the differences are and what the focus is it focus is now that CQC has reinstated their inspection. So I'd like to say thank you very much and I, and I look forward to speaking to you again in a future podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Jill. Thank you.